Admiral Izar closed himself into his private communication room. The hologram of the cloaked figure appeared before him. We have a problem, Izar said. I have felt it, replied the apparition. We've called in reinforcements. The Empire is sending two Star Destroyers, and they are insignificant, the voice answered. Do not disregard the Empire, Izar warned. They provide you and your kind security. I do not doubt this. I am certain your armed forces will seek out and destroy the rebel base. I, meanwhile, have a special plan for some of them. Have faith, Admiral. All will be clear soon enough. Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc, and the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Today we return to the group of Huff, Valina, and Vresh who have hijacked a transport bound for an Imperial planet that is conducting secret experiments. Huff had spent a long time with Princess Casito. Valina had strangely sensed what was happening, as though she could see it, and she wished she hadn't. Now she had another feeling of dread as the freighter they had captured caught up with the convoy at the Zarya system. The other ships were stopped, waiting for them. So was the Imperial Raider Rommel. This is Captain Bardock. Explain your absence immediately. The rebels had the officer who seemed to be sympathetic to their cause speak to the captain. This is Lieutenant Wynne, she said. I apologize for the delay. We have had engine troubles. The other bridge crew member who had surrendered looked ashamedly at his commanding officer. She was selling them out. What sort of emergency troubles? came the stern reply. Huff and Valina looked at each other startled. They hadn't come up with any specific excuses for the engine troubles, but Lieutenant Wynne was ready with an answer. It was the Radats and our hyperdrive regulators again. They've been more active lately. Those experiments you carry have caused more setbacks for the Empire than any discovery can warrant, Captain Bardock said. Yes, sir, Lieutenant Wynne responded. The system is operational again, and we have guards keeping out the giant rodents. Captain Bardock eyed her suspiciously for a long, uncomfortable moment. At last, he said, Fall in with the rest of the convoy and prepare for light speed. I shall escort you the rest of the way to Diminol. Yes, Captain, Wynne said, and shut off the comm. M226 repositioned into the convoy, and soon they all shot off into hyperspace. We're going to need that to actually be damaged, Valina said. I'm on it, Huff responded, and he took the lift down to the ship's engine room. Lieutenant Wynne called to him to tell him where the part of the engine was that she had said it had the problems. I think I know my way around a hyperdrive regulator, Huff said as he strolled through the engine room looking at all the moving parts. He was a great pilot, and he knew engines. But apparently he did not know large ones as well as he thought. He found what he believed to be the correct section, and he located the most sensitive parts. 
Lieutenant Wen told him where he could find the tools to dismantle it. Huff followed her instructions, wandering around the engine room to find them, but he kept hitting dead ends, and he couldn't find the tools. Screw this, he finally said, and he pulled out a blaster and fired into the hyperdrive regulator. He was intending to hit a section that wouldn't currently affect their flight, but would make it harder to re-enter hyperspace. Instead, he hit a portion that was keeping them in hyperdrive. The freighter jolted and fell suddenly out of hyperspace. Luckily, however, they had entered the Diminol system when they did. They just had to travel a ways on their sublight engines and provide another excuse to the furious Captain Bardock. Lieutenant Wynn explained that the Ranets had organized and were fighting with the engine room crew. When Bardock said he was boarding with stormtroopers to destroy the menace, the bridge crewman smiled. But Lieutenant Wynn said, Negative. They're swarming around the entryway. We've got them isolated with blast doors, so they will be eradicated shortly. Bardock gave her an icy stare. So did the bridge crewman. Report to me immediately upon docking with the space station, Captain Bardock said, and he switched off. What are you doing? the bridge crewman whispered to Lieutenant Wynn. Just play along and we might get out of this alive, she responded. When Huff returned to the bridge, he found the others trying to figure out a plan. The Rommel would reach the station long before they would, and Captain Bardock would be waiting for them with stormtroopers. They needed a way to leave the ship before they docked, and an excuse for it, or they would simply be tractor-beamed onto the station. Felina had come up with a plan. They had already established that they had engine trouble. They could claim that it had spread to the sublight engines, and the ship was drifting helplessly into the station. So they had to jettison on escape pods. At last, the bridge crewman spoke up, accusing them of murdering the rest of the crew and dressing down Lieutenant Wynn for allowing this. Wynn demurred and said that they needed to allow the ship crew to get away in escape pods. And upon hearing the plan, Huff also demanded they jettison the storage module that carried the princess. Gotta save your girlfriend, huh? Valina teased. She's a princess to a powerful house, Huff reminded her. Do you want them helping the rebellion or giving them reasons to turn against us? Valina relented and the plan was set in motion. Huff called Princess Lyra Casito and informed her that they would be ejecting her pod. But one of the other Imperial vessels would catch the pod and send her on her way. So this is goodbye, Captain, she said with a wry smile. I very much enjoyed riding with you. Huff smiled knowingly. So did I, Princess. Happy travels. Felina rolled her eyes and Vresh pulled the levers to eject the three modules. Lieutenant Wynn then called the base in a panicked voice. Mayday! Mayday! We've lost lateral control and we're drifting. We are unable to stop and we'll be hitting the starbase. Clear our docking station of personnel! When she switched off, there was a stream of hails coming in, but she ignored them. They set their plan in motion, rushing the onboard crew to escape pods where they ejected. The rebels got into one of their own escape pods and shot out of the freighter. Behind them, freighter M226 crashed into the space station. It was going slow enough that it only smashed in one side and crushed the front of the ship. The storage modules floated above the mess, safely out of range of the exploding debris. Huff saw little of this. He was concentrating on landing the pod safely on the planet. Lieutenant Wynn was crammed in next to him at the controls, showing him where to steer to land closest to their objective. That would be the most likely building to hold secret experiments, she said, directing him toward a building that was apart from the larger group of buildings that made up an urban encampment. You'll want to land near the back, she said, grabbing Huff's hand over the controls and nudging them in the correct direction. The escape pod landed in the thick underbrush of the jungle. As the back opened up, they all unfolded from the crowded craft and made their way through the foliage toward the back entrance of the building. Huff soon emerged into a clearing and found the back door to a building, and he knew they had arrived. 
The rest followed. They didn't see any cameras. So far, so good. Huff was about to open the door when a loud roar shouted out, and a large animal hopped out of the bushes, charging straight at them. Only Huff and Felina reacted quickly enough, and they fired. But in their haste, they missed. It lunged, landing on the Imperial Bridge crewman, who screamed and fell to the ground. Now everyone was aware of what was happening, and fired down at the beast. Though filled with blaster bolts, it managed to look up at Valina with its mutant face. Its eyes were off-center, as though dripping down the sides of its head, and its mouth wavered across its face. It was a pathetic creature, but before she could feel sorry for it, it sent waves of psionic energy into her brain, and she fell in excruciating pain. Fresh finished the creature off and kicked it off the bridge crewman. Lieutenant Wynn knelt down to check his vital signs, but he was dead, squashed and partially eaten by the wild animal. Huff checked out Valina, who was beginning to recover, but still holding her head. She assured him she'd be okay as she picked up her blaster, so he returned to the door. Okay, everyone ready? he asked. They nodded, and he opened up with his blaster at the ready. It was just a small computer room with a single occupant. The door had apparently been soundproofed because he didn't seem aware of the shooting that had just happened. The Imperial officer looked over casually to find Huff's gun in his face, so he raised his hands. Fresh got behind him and smashed him over the head, knocking the officer out. Everyone got inside, and Valina sliced into the computer system. It was a limited one, and she was only able to pull up a map of the part of the building they were in. Doesn't even have placement of Imperial forces? Huff asked, disappointed. No, Valina said, but these symbols look like more computers. She was pointing at one of the rooms next door, so Huff and Lieutenant Wynn took point. Perhaps she could even convince more Imperials not to fight by pulling rank. They opened the door and found the room empty, save for a circle of computer consoles. Vresh growled with suspicion. For a high-level top security facility, they sure were understaffed. The operatives fanned out to cover the exits as Valina sat at one of the consoles to try to slice into the network. She had difficulty with it, so she moved on to the next one. Still no luck. But as she was moving on to the next one, one of the doors opened. Everyone turned with their guns ready, but Valina stopped them from shooting. She had been looking toward the doorway and recognized the front one immediately. It was the twilight from her village, Puckvikok. With him was Huff's brother Duke, who went up and fist-bumped Huff. And they had an astromech droid, R5-D6. It was their extraction team who had been doing their own investigating in another part of the station. Puckvikok smiled immediately upon seeing Valina. He told the others that their mission had gone well, and they needed to leave soon so they could go warn the others. Maros Cloudman was leading a mission that would take them right into a trap, and they needed to be told before it was too late. Duke then cut in, saying they first had to locate their other operative, Aelor Sundown, who had gotten separated from them while reconnoitering. They believed she was somewhere in this area. Valina said they had to find out what the Imperials were making in this secret base, then they'd be ready to go. Let our R5 unit try, Puckvacock said, and R5-D6 plugged into the computer. The system was indeed unusual. It wasn't just secure like most Imperial systems. It was set up in a strange, mysterious way, without the usual logic the droid was used to. It did, however, manage to decode another map, which it projected into the middle of the room. It was a star map with unusual symbols. Despite being an Imperial officer, even Lieutenant Wynn was baffled. She had no idea what this was supposed to be. Everyone was dumbfounded by the symbols on the map, except Felina. They were somehow familiar to her, but she knew not from where. We need to move on, Huff said, and the droid stopped the projection.
Hoff and Wynn set up by the doorway, then opened it, his gun drawn, Wynn appearing commanding. They were met by a hallway which led to another door. Hoff led them quietly forward, their large group now crammed into the narrow corridor with Valina taking up the rear. The far door opened, and they were met with a perpendicular hallway to the right with a door on the far end, and one directly in front of them. Huff tried the door across from them, but it was locked, so he headed down the corridor to his right. Everyone followed behind, and just as he reached the other end, all the doors around Valina shut. Before anyone could do anything, the doorway on the other end opened, and they were met with two stormtroopers, two officers, and a hail of blaster fire. Huff was hit, a grazing shot that's still painful, and everyone took cover on the sides of the corridor behind support beams and fired back. Inside Valina's chamber, the locked door now opened to a dark room. A bright light emanated from the adjoining room, and she could hear frightened, heavy breathing inside. Who's there? she asked. The breathing gasped in silence. She then heard the voice whisper, No. It sounded like Elor Sundown, the missing operative. Valina cautiously stepped through the darkness and into the brightly lit room. There, strapped to a table, was Elor Sundown, a clear plastic dome over her head. No, 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 Elor said, trying to shake her head as her eyes looked pleadingly up at Valina. I'm going to get you out of here, Valina said. No, Elor said one last time this time through a sob. A single tear was running down her face as she said earnestly, Kill me, then kill yourself. The firefight was going fierce. Vresh had sustained a light wound, but they had taken down a stormtrooper and an officer. Still, the rest of the station would have been signaled, and more would be coming. Puckvacock was watching down a side corridor, waiting for more to come. R5-D6 was back at the door that had closed between them and Valina, trying to get it open. But the locking mechanism, like the computers, was chaotic and mysterious. The little droid wasn't sure it would make it through in time. Valina pulled out her knife and looked down at Elor. Do it, Elor whispered. Soon it will be too late. Then a deep, unearthly voice came over the speaker. You do not deserve your gifts, it said. That's him, Elor hissed. Quickly, you must kill us both before he takes our blood from us. Felina hesitated. A part of one wall dissolved, revealing a man in all black. His face was pale and he wore a mechanical monocle on one side. In his hand was a short metal rod. Oh no, Elor said. It's him. Though the firefight seemed to be going their way, the rebels were trying to back out. They had taken down another stormtrooper. But the far doorway opened and a host of taller and bulkier stormtroopers emerged, their heavy guns blazing. The rebels backed up to the opposite end. Duke shouted, R5! And just then, the little droid got the door open. It immediately pushed forward and began work on the second door while the rebels pulled back. As they did, the voice of the Imperial officer down the hall shouted, Traitor! And Lieutenant Wynn was shot in the back. She fell just before the doorway. Fresh fired a flurry of rounds, taking down the officer that had shot Wynn. He reached down and scooped her up, taking another blaster shot as he did. He turned, covered her body, and was hit again. But the mighty Wookiee took the wounds in stride and hurried out. Felina could hear the hissing of gas escaping from the ceiling. The deep voice which came from the black-clad stranger continued to mock. You have not earned that which you possess. Your essence shall be added to others of your kind and inserted into those of us who have. Valina looked down at Elor confused. There's no time, Valina, Elor begged. You must do it now. Valina immediately understood. Her heightened senses, her ability to see beyond where her eyes could see. And they now saw hope. 
She sliced through the straps that held Elor down. What are you doing? Elor shouted. We're trapped! Felina didn't answer. She held her breath and continued cutting. The dark stranger pressed a button on his rod. A thin red strand drooped down, turning into a glowing whip. Felina cut the last trap as the energy wall in front of the dark stranger dissolved. He stepped out, and Elor rolled back off the table as he whipped down, slicing the table in half. The two women backed up against the door, both trying to resist the gas that was taking their consciousnesses. Another secret door opened, and the bulky troopers emerged, stepping up next to their master. The two women were trapped. Then a mechanical gasp sounded, followed by a droid's whistle. The door was open, and the two women hurried out, followed by laser blasts. Now with their full crew, both rebel teams rushed down the hallway. The Facet brothers held back, covering their retreat. They cheered each other on with each hit, though it took a couple of them to take down a single large stormtrooper. Then one of the shots found Duke, and he fell back. Huff caught him with one arm and kept shooting with the other. He took down another trooper, but they were advancing on them. Luckily, they had gotten to the computer room, and Huff was able to drag Duke with him out the other side. The General Maydean was not far away, and they boarded it quickly. Huff, the best pilot in the group, rushed to the controls. Valina joined him to help get it off the ground. She saw the door to the hangar open, and the Dark Lord entered with his bulky minions. She helped Huff in any way she could to get them off the ground, and they slowly lifted off. The Dark Lord looked directly at Valina as he turned off his red whip. She could see him plainly, as though she was right next to him. He wore an expression of, I will be waiting for you. As they flew up through the atmosphere, they spotted a pair of TIE Strikers pursuing them. As the atmosphere faded into the blackness of space, the starship Rommel came into view, blocking their way. This is Captain Bardock, came a message hailing them. Surrender now or you will be blown out of the sky. Lightspeed, lightspeed, encouraged Valina. Ship needs to make the calculations for the jump to lightspeed, Huff said. Get on the gun. We're going to have some fighting first. Valina stood to go, but Duke appeared at the door. That's my position. You can barely stand, Huff said as the first blast came in to remind him he needed to make a few maneuvers. Don't need to stand to shoot, Duke said. Then he looked at Felina. He needs you up here. Pukey's got the bottom gun. I'm on top. You always are, Huff said, accepting that his brother would take the post while he continued to maneuver the ship. Duke got to the gun just as four more TIE fighters came at them from the front. They were now swarming on all sides. Their shields were diminishing quickly, but Duke and Puckvacock each took down a TIE fighter. Then Duke took down a second one. Valina was trying to hurry the navicomputer up, but it was having difficulty adjusting for the planet's location and its gravity. She and Huff cursed as they took their first direct hit without shields, but then a thought came to Valina. She turned and looked at Aelor, who wore an expression that she was thinking the same thing. They rose together, and despite the ship's rocking, they walked out of the cockpit into the hall with the droid, who was transferring the data they had recovered into the ship's computer. Huff jolted the ship to one side, and Puckvacock took out another TIE fighter. Yoo-wee! Duke shouted. Puke the cock is the man! Just then, they took another hit from the Rommel. One more hit would rip them apart. Huff strafed past the raider. He was so close he could see inside their bridge. The hateful eyes of Imperial officers stared back at him, watching him pass. Huff was pushing the engines, trying to get out of their firing arcs. Aylor and Valina laid their hands on the droid. They concentrated, feeling the force around them, penetrate them, and bind to the droid. The universe around them disappeared, faded into the distance. They saw the map held within R5's databanks. They now recognized the symbols. 
They were an ancient language embedded within their minds, the ancient code of the Jedi. They both focused on the first of these symbols, the one closest to their present position. Their minds fed this back to the droid. The General Maydeen emerged on the opposite side of the Rommel. All the TIE fighters and all the guns on the raider locked onto the doomed vessel, and they fired. But the droid had finished the calculations, and the General Maydeen jumped into hyperspace. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!